Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Last night gave us everything we could hope for in game one of the Western Conference Finals between the Nuggets and the Lakers in an incredible game where the superstars showed up. Tonight, we hope to get more of the same for the Eastern Conference Finals that you can listen to on ESPN Radio. Coverage begins at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. But now, for once, we're going to get sheer professionalism. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Harry and I were just saying in the break, there are some people that every time they speak, you want to listen to what they have to say. They educate you. They make you smarter. They draw you in with the way they present everything. Basically the opposite of what I do. And we are now joined by one of those people, the great, the incomparable, the incredible Doris Burke, ESPN NBA analyst joining us. We are super fans first and teammates at ESPN second. Doris, always appreciate your time, appreciate your expertise. You can hear Doris on the Eastern Conference Finals on ESPN Radio. As I mentioned, coverage begins at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. We'll get to the east, but I want to start with the west and a little bit of what we saw last night because so many people haven't seen that much of Jokic. You have. How do you compare what he did last night versus what you've seen from him throughout the season? Well, I mean, I think he's obviously been brilliant. He's played at an MVP level for several years now and, uh, you know, I think one of the hardest realizations Nikola had in, in the course of his career was probably the fact that there were going to be moments where he had to be aggressive as a scorer. And with his pass-first mentality, with his desire to make the people around him better and involve them, um, I think that was hard for him. I think it was Cassidy Hubbard who did an interview after a Denver game this year, guys. And getting Nikola to talk about himself is damn near impossible. But the way the, fresh, the question was phrased, it, it was a brilliant game. He said, well, you know, what are you most proud of? And he said, something along the lines of probably getting my teammates involved and and the way sort of that game unfolded. And it gives you a sense into his ethos. Um, But but the scoring sets up the brilliance of the passing. The speed with which his mind works through double teams and coverages and changing defenders. I mean, this guy is an all-time great, and uh, we were probably slow to come around to that idea. But um, I'm glad now in the playoffs, in in the biggest stage, uh, he's showing people who he is. And I mean that as as both a basketball player and as a teammate. And Doris, he makes it look so easy when he's out there in the basketball court. But I want to flip to the Lakers side of things. After watching game one and seeing a lot of the things that transpired within that game, what can the Lakers do to adjust ahead of game two? Well, I think one of the things that, that swung the feel of the second half was the ability to get back in transition defense and make uh, make Denver execute in a half-court set, right? They go from 17 uh, transition points in the first half to two in the second. I, I thought the intentionality of Denver in that first half, the speed and the pace, their ability to make or miss for the Lakers, they were you know getting the ball inbounds and up the floor really quickly. Um, you know, obviously the Lakers have been – the best defense in the playoffs. They didn't show that in the first half. I thought you saw it in the second. So I think, you know, they found a number of things. Everybody's talking about the Rui Hachimura matchup. I think you'll see more of that more often and and certainly earlier. Um, But don't believe for a second Nikola Jokic won't eventually adjust to that. It's really a matter of how much time it takes for him. 
And what schematic things does Michael Malone come up with to counter that? Uh, but uh, And then the other thing is, obviously, and this has been a weakness of the Denver Nuggets for the entirety of Jokic's career, and that's paint scoring against restricted area percentages of their opponents, right? Um, he makes no secret of the fact that he's not a great defender. He's probably better than people think he is. Uh, but look at the restricted area percentages. At one point last night, they were 13 for 15 or 14 uh, for 17. It was really incredible. LeBron got to the paint, punished them inside. So I think there are a number of good things that they'll try to access earlier. Uh, but I think playing with force at the start is probably, you know, item one on Darvin Ham's adjustment list. We're talking to Doris Burke, ESPN NBA analyst. Again, you can hear her on the Eastern Conference Finals call on ESPN Radio. Coverage begins at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Let's switch to the Eastern Conference Finals then, Doris. And, you know, I want to focus for a second on the Heat because I keep hearing people make it sound like it's just a presumption the Celtics win this series. But we've seen incredible and impossible things from the Heat so far in this run. So what do they have to do in this series, in your mind, to come out uh, the victors? I think all the things that have, um, you know, defined who the Heat are under Eric Spolstra. Um, you, you know, you look at some of the things they've done well this year. They were they were second in the league in charges taken. They're never out-toughed on any particular night. Uh, night. Um, you know, their ability to win in transition. Um, you, you know, they've started to find a little bit more offense. Jimmy Butler's brilliance um, has been on display throughout the course of these playoffs. But all year... What's fascinating to me, Jason, is in in 2022, they were one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league. It was a real strength throughout the course of their season, only to follow that up this year with really anemic offense. Um, And so I think, you know, against a Boston team that was second in offensive efficiency, they've got to find a way to make shots. So, you know, Duncan Robinson has has been much better in the playoffs. Max Struess is a guy who can make shots. Gabe Vincent. You know, does Kyle Lowry hit some dagger threes? And here's the key. Like, if this is a possession ball game down the stretch, and both teams have been really good um, in those moments, but, but Miami in particular, they've played an obscene number of close games this year. So if it's clutch time basketball and you've got one of the great closers in Jimmy Butler, who the last few playoffs has been absolutely brilliant, that's all you're hoping for on the road here against this team. So... Can I ask you this, though? When you talk about those, you know, close moments at the end of basketball games, does mm-hmm. a lot of it have to also do with having Eric Spolster as your coach versus a Joe Mazzula for the Boston Celtics? Yeah, you know, obviously Spo is, is an all-time great. You don't, you don't make that list of the top te- 15 coaches in the 75-year history of the NBA um, if, if you're not great, right? This is his chance to to go to what his sixth NBA Finals. He's been in the East Finals seven times now with a five and one record in the Eastern Conference Finals. This guy is no joke. Um, I think they're going to, you know, change looks a ton. You know, they they played more zone by a wide margin than any other team. Um, they certainly in the regular season sprinkled it in to great effect. That zone kept Boston to 40% shooting overall, below 32% from three-point territory. So how effective is that? One of the things they did incredibly well in the matchup in the East Finals a year ago, remember the Jason Tatum storyline, 100 turnovers in the postseason last year and 33 in the seven-game series against Miami. 
What is Jason Tatum's turnover total? Does he finish strong? Is he playing off two feet? Uh, is he making all the right choices and carrying over momentum uh, from what we saw in the fourth quarter of Game 6 and then the brilliant Game 7 against Philadelphia? In your experience, Doris, stick that for a second. Does momentum carry over from a Game 7 experience like that into the next series? I don't think so. I feel like each each game is is an entity onto itself, and now you, you're adjusting to a brand new uh, you know opponent. Like I guarantee you, Jason watched film of last year's playoffs, saw saw how um, you know uh, Miami guarded him. Here's the key: PJ Tucker was the primary defensive assignment in the regular season matchup. It was uh, Mr. Martin, and so you know Martin is no longer in the starting lineup. What what, what does that look like initially? Uh, you know, are there any changes in rotation? Uh, you know, Kevin Love, can Kevin Love space the floor and hold up defensively uh, in this series? I'm anxious to see that. You know, he was talking earlier about, you know, I think I'm a tough matchup for this team because I can space the floor. Boston has made it known they're going to start the double big lineup. I, I literally, there's so many intriguing questions, guys, that I cannot wait for this game to start tonight. Oh, we can't wait either. Doris, I know we got to get you out of here, but I got to get your reaction. There's big news that just came across our platform about 30 minutes ago. We just had Perk react to it. I want you to hear what Daryl Morey, 76ers GM, just said at his press conference about whether or not Embiid, uh, or I guess I should say, about Joel Embiid being shocked that Doc Rivers was fired. We're taking a careful process uh, with the coach. We do not think it will move quickly. We're going to look at all the candidates. They had a strong relationship. I mean, I have to make tough calls all the time with trades. Joel was disappointed and, you know, some of it was he didn't know the player we were getting in the trade who ended up helping us, but he was disappointed in the players that went out. I think it's natural to be very close with the people in the locker room. Um, he was very close with Coach Rivers. Yeah, he was shocked about the change, and it's my job to uh, help convince him that the new coach is someone that he'll have a great relationship with as well. Doris, are you surprised that he was, wasn't was consulted in that decision? Boy, oh boy, that's just such an interesting statement because I think we are living in an age where it is rare um, where where superstars, you know, that select few hand uh, player who's at the very top of the food chain um, isn't at least involved in the discussions about uh, what might transpire. Um, but what I wonder is, you know, um, you know, you communicate, I would assume, if you're Daryl Morey with Joel Embiid and Doc Rivers throughout the course of the season. Um, and so you wonder, were there prior discussions? But that does surprise me a little bit. The answer to your question is yes, that does surprise me. Doris just always are you me. Are you buying it, gentlemen, is what I would ask you. <laughs> I think Joel Embiid should run, you know try what? to get the hell out of Philly. Wow. Doris, what I know is that you just wrote our next segment, segment for us. Are we buying that there was no communication to Joel Embiid? That's what we're going to do next. Doris, have a great call. We really appreciate <laughs> your time on a busy day. Thanks so much for the insight. Gentlemen, thanks for having me. Take care. That's Doris Perk, ESPN NBA analyst. I told you, Perk uh, already had his say about this. You don't want to miss what Perk said. It was staggering. And also, are we buying it? We'll figure it out. Doris right in the forest. Got to do it. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Doc Rivers. 
Joe Missoula embracing a hug for Rivers. This is how year 24 as a head coach ends. How has your relationship been with Doc, and would you like to see him back? Uh, I mean, I okay. our relationship is okay. Breaking news. The Philadelphia 76ers have fired their head coach, Doc Rivers. I can't say I'm surprised. We've talked about this all season long. There are consequences to a lack of results. There are consequences to a lack of results. That's what you just heard. I would argue that there are also consequences to a lack of communication. And that might be the immediate issue that the Philadelphia 76ers are facing right now. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. And this is what everybody is reacting to. You've heard it a couple of times. I will make sure you hear it again because it is significant. This is today. This is this afternoon. In the last hour, Daryl Morey sat at his press conference. You knew he was going to be asked, the 76ers GM, about the decision to fire Doc Rivers. Specifically, if uh, Embiid was surprised by it. His answer is shocking. Check it out. They had a strong relationship. I mean, I have to make tough calls all the time with trades. Joel was disappointed and, you know, some of it was he didn't know the player we were getting in the trade who ended up helping us, but he was disappointed in the players that went out. I think it's natural to be very close with the people in the locker room. Um, He was very close with Coach Rivers. Yeah, he was shocked about the change, and it's my job to uh, help convince him that the new coach is someone that he'll have a great relationship with as well. I just keep, every time I hear it, Harry, my blood boils a little bit harder. My my reaction gets a little bit more uh, shocked because I sat here, and we'll hear from Perk in a second, but I want to hear from you because I sat here on this show yesterday and said there is no way in hell any team would be stupid enough to fire their, their head coach without talking to their MVP first. Instead, it certainly sounds like they talked to, Joe, to, to Harden and just left him be sitting there. It makes no sense to me. Well, it, it, the part that's mind-boggling to me also, though, Fitz, is because, you know, Joel Embiid had a great and dynamic relationship with Doc Rivers to the point to where his game was elevating each year under Doc Rivers. So from a standpoint of being an MVP award winner, you would think those conversations and how he felt about Doc Rivers would you know, spill over very strongly with the people in the front office who were making those decisions on whether to fire Doc Rivers or bring him back for another season. I, I would think, you know, your MVP guy, your superstar player on the Philadelphia 76ers, not your secondary player, not your third, you know, player, but your superstar player, the guy that everything has to go through the defensive end and also the offensive end, you would take that into, into consideration when it comes to, you know, uh, firing a guy that's been there and helped him grow as an individual. Now, I do understand, like, it's a team game and things have to get better from a team perspective. But part of that also is your superstar player and the ability of him being able to be the best version of himself. I think Doc Rivers was able to get a ton a ton more out of Joel Embiid not saying that Brett Brown did a terrible job, but more so than Brett Brown was able to get out of Joel Embiid because he was able to go down to the low post and be a, uh, the player, the dominant player everyone thought he should have been up until that point. Like, this is simple. At, 
at James Harden's best, he is not as good or as important to Philadelphia as Joel Embiid. Like, that's as, that's as complicated as it needs to be because now this is what you've created. We asked Kendrick Perkins, ESPN NBA analyst, on this show. He heard it for the first time on this show, and we got his immediate reaction from it, and his words were staggering when he said this. If I'm Joel Embiid, get out, especially if they give James Harden a new contract. Because all of a sudden, Joel and B, you're going to be very, very frustrated. You're going to be more frustrated now if they if you have to deal with Dale Moore and James Harden than you were with Ben Simmons. I would get out. I would get out. One, how do you not consult with your MVP about the firing of a coach? How do you not even think about talking to him about that? You know why you don't think about talking about it? Because your focus wasn't about uh, Joel and B. Your focus, again, is about your love affair with James Harden. <laughs> hey, Perk, me keeping it real, man. I, I love every bit of it. But here, let me let me ask you this, Harry. This is this is a riddle. You ready for this? Yeah. What's it take to get traded in the NBA? The answer is an MVP walking in and saying, "Nah, I don't want to do this anymore." It's yep. that simple. Like you have to, you have to handle business differently. And the I didn't make this system. I didn't create this system. The system is what it is now. We live in a world where when an NBA player isn't happy, they walk in and say, "Screw you, I'm going home." And there's nothing you can do about it. So the 76ers can't take the chance that they create a situation where Embiid just decides he doesn't want to be there because that's all. It, all Embiid has to do right now is feel like he's the second most important thing to this team. And that's going to be enough, like anybody in a relationship, to be like, nah, I want to feel valued. I want to feel loved. I want to appreciate, be appreciated. If you won't do that for me, I'll go somewhere else. And the minute he says, trade me, there isn't a thing they can do about it. That's why they had to have communicated. To it. it makes no sense. Well, which is ludicrous. And, and I'm saying it's ludicrous. And I'm not talking about the rapper, ladies and gentlemen. Luda. That the simple fact that, I you know, that talks would be had without Joel and B first. If that's what transpired, like I just don't, I don't, I don't even understand if you're Daryl Morey in the position that you're in, making these decisions. You know, how can you not consult what Joel Embiid feels or what he thinks, especially when he loves a guy? Now I understand because you know GMs and presidents and front office people they have to make tough decisions a lot of the times, and I get it. Sometimes you you, you got to do what what you feel is best for the team. But when you have a superstar player and a guy that just won an MVP award trophy fits, that's a different ball game. And you might want to make sure that you and that guy is on the same page so he doesn't surprise the front office in the city of Philadelphia and tell 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 them that he wants to, you know, be somewhere else. I mean, think about this. Who's easier to replace on the 76ers roster next year? Joel Embiid or James Harden? I think we all know James that it's Harden. easier to replace James Harden. Who, if, if they were going to lose one of the two of them, which one would cause a free fall for the performance expectations of the organization? You lose Joel Embiid, everything is going to go downhill. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Do you, do you think Daryl Morey is crazy enough to, what if that's what he wants at the end of the day? Man. Joel Embiid to get traded so they can get a ton for him and next thing you know, whatever coach they bring in, they can run the system that he's accustomed to. A long time ago, our, our buddy Mike Golick Jr. said to me, said, you know, people always talk about the ego of athletes. What they forget about along the way is the ego of everybody in the NFL. Coaches, GMs, 
front office people, everybody yep. at that level believes in themselves. Sometimes, we say this all the time, pride is the downfall of man, right? If Daryl right. Morey is letting pride be the reason in what he thinks the system should be, it letting that be the reason for somebody that was the MVP and a top three MVP vote-getter for the last three seasons, think about that. With Doc as the head coach, you already got rid of Doc. If it costs you Embiid, then this might be the dumbest front office organization move we have seen in recent NBA memory. Fits and Aries presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive can help you protect your home, auto, boat, motorcycle, ATV, RV, and more. And if something wasn't mentioned that you had in mind, find out if it can be covered at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE because, frankly, it probably can be. We're going to let you guys weigh in. Sixers fans, I want to hear from you. 888-SAY-ESPN-888-729-3776. Your MVP, the league MVP, wasn't consulted. How you feeling now about what the team needs to do next? 888-SAY-ESPN-888-729-3776. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Embracing a hug for Rivers. This is how year 24 as a head coach ends. How has your relationship been with Doc, and would you like to see him back? Uh, I mean, I okay. our relationship is okay. Breaking news. The Philadelphia 76ers have fired their head coach, Doc Rivers. I can't say I'm surprised. We've talked about this all season long. There are consequences to a lack of results. The winding road for Philadelphia just got a little more difficult. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. Sixers fans, how you feeling? Triple eight, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. If you're just tuning in and you're saying, why? Why does everybody care how Sixers fans are feeling? Well, they care because Daryl Morey, the 76ers GM, spoke today to the media for the first time since the firing of head coach Doc Rivers. Now, we all know that Embiid, uh, the MVP, and Doc Rivers have a close relationship. So the question was posed to Daryl Morey, how did uh, Embiid react to the firing? This is what the GM said about an hour ago in his press conference. They had a strong relationship. I mean, I have to make tough calls all the time with trades. Joel was disappointed in, you know, some of it was he didn't know the player we were getting in the trade who ended up helping us, but he was disappointed in the players that went out. I think it's natural to be very close with the people in the locker room. Um, He was very close with Coach Rivers. Yeah, he was shocked about the change, and it's my job to uh, help convince him that the new coach is someone that he'll have a great relationship with as well. Shocked about the change and now needs to be convinced to the new... I mean, that has Harry and I feeling some kind of way. Let's see how you're feeling. Melvin in Virginia, what do you got? Thanks for calling Fitz and Harry. Hey, how you guys doing? Great, how are you? Great, how are you? Okay, so here's a... You guys are excellent, but you, you're looking at this from, like, the rear view mirror. Get ahead of it. Daryl Morey is smart. He's not a, a dumb guy. Uh, there's a reason why they're, they're doing this. Here's my theory. First, I believe that James Harden is the center of this. Uh, I believe that Daryl Morey wants Dan Antony to be the next head coach of the Sixers. And I do believe that 
Embiid is not going to fit into that new restructuring of the team. Therefore, he is dispensable. So they're going to try to get as much for him as they can to accumulate some players or some shooters to run Dan Tony's system. Now, what better to do that than to put a, 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 a current MVP on the market on a trade block and get a new coach and then, of course, bring that West Coast three ball to the East Coast because right now they can't compete with Boston. They can't compete with Milwaukee with traditional basketball. So the analytics has come into Philadelphia through Daryl Morey and James Harden. It's just it's coming subvertly because they can't just, you know, that's why Doc Rivers is, was fired as well. So this is a plan. But yeah, I, and I don't think we – and thanks for the call. I don't – I see the exactly what you're talking about. I, we never disputed that portion of the plan. In well, fact, Harry, I, well, Harry I just brought it up, but I, it's the wrong plan. It's just a flat out bad plan. I mean, the the concept that Daryl Morey is smart at his job. Daryl Morey is not an MVP right now. Of front office people, Joel Embiid is an MVP in the NBA. Like you're making the wrong decision. I, I mean, Harry. Well, and we do. This is what. Perk said earlier about this very thing, talking to us about who Daryl Morey is signing with. You thought you had it bad when you were dealing with Ben Simmons, but you're going to have it even worse. Because, again, what have these guys proven? Nothing. These are the same guys that told people that the mid-range was dead. This was the analytics department that came from Houston that only solely talked about making threes and shooting layups. They didn't even practice mid-range. You got you 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 almost practice almost got canceled if you shot a mid-range shot at practice when you was in Houston. This is disturbing. Well, I would also say this: if you're going to run that system, you better have bona fide three-point shooters, right? And even that's not guaranteed that you're going to win a game. What just happened to the Golden State Warriors, right? when they started missing those threes. And the Los Angeles Lakers was the more physical basketball team in that matchup. It showed time and time again. And we're talking about two of the greatest shooters of all time. Now, I'm pretty sure the Philadelphia 76ers aren't going to be able to get back two of the greatest shooters of all time. What happened to Mike D'Antoni and those Houston teams when they had to face off against the Golden State Warriors and they kept shooting those threes and kept missing those threes? It didn't last. Now, I think at some point, yes, the three ball has to be very significant in what you want to do. That's just the nature of the NBA. But also, I think everything else in the game of basketball has to be in that category as well. Like, no one knows this system, bro. My brother played in the system. He played for Dan Antonio in New York for, for the Knicks. He played in this system. So I've seen it multiple times. I just don't think that's the alley that the Philadelphia 76ers need to go up, go go down on top of it. Did I not just mention what if that's the plan of Darren Morey to yeah. get I, Embiid I, traded and but, get a lot of assets for him? Uh, look, here, if if the Bucks tomorrow announced they were hiring a coach and trading Giannis, we would all say they were stupid. This is no different. This is stupid. Sean and Philly, what do you got? Thanks for calling Fitz and Harry. Hey, good afternoon, guys. How you doing? We're great. How are you? Good. So I want to level set before I get into my thing, because I know you might call it stupid, but here's the, the reasoning behind it. So here's what I think should happen. It's not probably going to happen, but Harden should walk. I mean, he's a shell of himself. He doesn't take care of his body. He can't blow by anybody anymore. You want to sign that for four years at 40 plus million. That's going to be unwatchable by, by the middle of next year. People don't realize when Harden walked, if he walked, 
that's dead money. You can't go out and sign anybody. Your lineup as currently constructed is your lineup. Look at that lineup. It's old. It's unathletic. What we got exposed in all of the series last couple of years, unable to guard the athletic wings. And then you have Joel Embiid. And that's, you know, he has been a star. But here's why I'm saying from a Sixer standpoint, if Harden walks, you can't sign anybody. Your roster's stuck. You'd have to trade him is he's a depreciating asset. And when you look at big guys, traditionally throughout the NBA, they age poorly. He's somebody who already has a laundry list of lower body injuries. Centers only gain weight and get bigger as they get older. He's not getting any skinnier. That any, at any moment, he could blow out something. His differentiating factor is his athleticism. Once that goes, the value on him goes as well. And if Harden walks, your roster's stuck. Tatum's not going anywhere. Brown's not going anywhere. Giannis isn't going anywhere. Listen, they wouldn't be Jimmy Butler without, with that roster right now. What do you do? You're stuck in purgatory again. I'm not saying you tank. You hold on to Maxi. You're going to have to gain some assets. I don't think that's going to happen, but that would be the smart reset at this point because they've been down this road with Embiid. They haven't been able to surround them with the proper amount of talent. That's on them. They, they blew that chance. And at this point, you've got to capitalize on, yeah, we've seen his best basketball. He's had three years at an MVP level. It probably doesn't get much higher. Maybe he maintains it for a couple more years. But if we don't surround it with talent and we're not going anywhere, what are we doing? Uh, and thanks for the call. Uh, that's a really well thought out process that I understand. I also, my counter to it would be that Joel Embiid just turned 29 in March, that you've still got time with him, and that we live in a world where the Bucks were the number one seed and supposedly, in my mind, a shoe in for the NBA Finals. They got bounced in the first round. We live in a world where everything in the East is so tightly compacted. Yeah, Philadelphia lost a heartbreaking way to the Celtics. Is that worth blowing up the entire roster for because you're just convinced you can't compete against the Celtics, who, by the way, are also about to have to take on a ton of money for Brown and Tatum? Like, I... I don't think it is. We're going to let you guys keep chiming in. Plus, I got to get Harry's thoughts on the, all of this. Triple Eight, say ESPN eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. Somebody in New, New Mexico says we've lost our minds too. So we'll get all these calls in. We'll keep breaking down the breaking news in Philadelphia next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. This is how year 24 as a head coach ends. How has your relationship been with Doc, and would you like to see him back? Uh, I mean, I okay. our relationship is okay. Breaking news. The Philadelphia 76ers have fired their head coach, Doc Rivers. I can't say I'm surprised. We've talked about this all season long. There are consequences to a lack of results. Friday night. A pair of jeans just fit just right in a radio. Ha ha! In my woman's eyes. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel Lady. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. Love Zach and the guys. All right, so we're getting everybody's thoughts on the big news out of Philadelphia. Daryl Morey, 
stepping in front of the podium and saying that Joel Embiid was shocked that a GM has to make tough decisions and that uh, it'll be his job to convince uh, Joel that the next coach is the right coach. We've reacted to it rather harshly, uh, obviously, even with Perk uh, live and Doris Burke afterwards. Uh, Perk playing in the league, Doris one of the greats around the league. Both of them surprised with Daryl Morey's answer. Uh, we surprised by Daryl Morey's answer, but not everybody thinks we've got it right. Triple eight, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. Win in New Mexico. Win. What you got for us, man? Thanks for hanging on. Hey, no worries. Um, I should I should mention that I grew up in Philadelphia, and I am probably at best a casual basketball fan, but I do listen to ESPN a lot. But anyway, um, I I just think there's probably more to the story than than we know right now because your take or somebody's take out there anyway maybe maybe it was Perkins' take or something that they're putting uh, they're putting James Harden again Joel Embiid is just objectively I think foolish. Uh, because of some sort of love affair that Maury has with uh, with James Harden, so um, I, I think there's got to be more than that to that, more to it than that, and that you know there are consequences for for lack of results, and that's what's happening right now. So that's. But, I mean, lack, lack of results in what sense? Three straight Over the last three years, they have uh, one of the three best records in the entire NBA. They've lost in, in seven games in the playoffs, but they've also lost to eventual champions. So, I mean, like, lack of results makes it sound like we're talking about a basement-dwelling team. And should we not consider the fact that the only place that seemed to want to be a landing spot for James Harden was Daryl Morey with Philadelphia, and nobody else was clamoring to bring him in at that point? Aren't those factors that we should be considering when we analyze it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, you're you're right. Um, and I'm I'm you're obviously more well versed on the relationship between Harden and Maury, but um, objectively speaking, once again, to think that anybody would value James Harden more than they would Joel Embiid seems crazy to me. Um, and secondly, you know, lack of results. Maybe that was a poor choice of words or phrase, but you know, they haven't gotten past the second round in a, in a minute and they haven't they just they they, they seem stagnated at the, the stagnated where they are they're great in the in the regular season and then they get to the second round and that's it yeah the win thanks for the call i i think the difference is you're saying wow they can't be that idiotic and we're saying the same thing they can't be that idiotic with a different <laughs> tone and the difference is I mean, every indication we're getting right now, I mean, they, they made a choice. If Joel Embiid is shocked by the firing, that if it's his job, in his words, to sell the firing to or the next hire to him, then Harry, that tells me that they absolutely didn't take Embiid's feelings into account. And what, I mean, I can't do anything about that. That's well, just the info. I think we also can't ignore the simple fact that, you know, we heard coming into multiple segments that we played today when James Harden is asked about his relationship with Doc Rivers and he stumbles a little bit and said, uh, uh, well, it's okay. I mean, the writing's on the wall there as well. And we're talking about a guy in James Harden who was with Daryl Morey in Houston, who has a very strong relationship with Daryl Morey in which Daryl Morey got him out of Brooklyn, was able to bring him on to the Philadelphia 76ers. So if James Harden is feeling some type of way about his role on this basketball team and what the offense is, and then you have a guy in the front office who makes these decisions, and then Joel Embiid, your superstar player, say he, says he loves Doc Rivers, 
But then you go along the lines of firing Doc Rivers. Yeah, well, then, I mean, let me cut you off real quick because you're saying the right thing here, and we just got it in front of us. Uh, kudos to Evan for putting this up. This is what Joel Embiid said about Doc Rivers at the press conference after they lost the game to the Celtics. As far as, you know, my coach, uh, I thought he's done a fantastic job. Um, he came in, you know, we've, I think, you know, we've gotten better over the years. Uh, I thought he's done a great job, and um, I don't make the decisions, and uh, I think he should be fine. Now, Harry, that was Embiid. This was Harden in the same press conference. When you got here, you said that one of the reasons you wanted to come, if I'm not mistaken, was Doc. How has your relationship been with Doc, and would you like to see him back? Uh, I mean, I don't, our relationship is okay. Now he's gone. Tell me how we're not supposed to think that they took one player's side. Exactly. I mean, and it's also crazy and mind-boggling to even think that would happen. But I'm not going to put anything past anyone in these types of situations. You know, playing 10 years in the National Football League and seeing things and being able to sit in certain rooms, but also watching my brother play for eight years in the NBA and seeing all the things that transpire and go on in certain rooms in in that instance as well. Like nothing is off the table for me, especially when you have a player and a front office uh, executive that are very, very close. The concept of everything you're saying to me, just like I can't stack the bricks another way. I can't. There's no way for me to stack these bricks and have it make sense. Like it it is very obvious that Daryl Morey went into, from his own words, if Embiid is shocked by the decision, that tells you that there wasn't a like a long conversation about, hey, we're thinking about this. What do you think? How do we work through this? What do you need from like none of that? The fact that he's shocked and the fact that we're here right now, man, I I I am interested to see what's next. No pun intended for the process of Philadelphia because if this is about to go into rebuild mode, and I'm a Sixers fan, I don't know that I've ever been as angry. Is that right now? City of brotherly love. Oh, there's going to be some. They're going to need a lot of hugs. Y'all need a lot of hugs. I get it. It, It's it's wild to think that this is where we are. Only days after everybody thought they were about to beat the Celtics. That's how much the NBA has changed in the last week. Kenny and Carlin to keep updating you on it. Thanks so much for hanging out with Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, and as always on the ESPN app. You've been listening to the Fitz and Harry podcast. You can listen to the guys live weekdays from noon to 3 Eastern on ESPN Radio. And you can watch on the ESPN app.